a Shishkin Productions podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Ask Not Me Anything podcast. I'm beyond stoked to chat with today's guest, Mesh Lakani. Mesh is an investor and an entrepreneur with a passion for making business education straightforward and entertaining. Mesh has been a student of investing since the height of the financial crisis in 2008, so I think it's safe to say that he's been through it all. In 2016, Mesh co-founded Mark II Capital, which is a fund that invests in financial technology companies. And in 2019, he launched Talk Money, a podcast to help educate others, demystify the world of finance, and break down complex business concepts. And today, he's finally on my podcast, and hopefully he'll demystify the world of finance for me. So without further ado, here's my chat with Mesh. This episode is brought to you by Chase Sapphire. Lately, I've been traveling quite a bit, going to friends' weddings, bachelor parties, visiting family, and I've been making the most of it with the benefits of my Chase Sapphire card. For travel, I'm getting five times total points on the flights I purchased through Ultimate Rewards. For food, Chase Sapphire gets me triple points on delivery, takeout, dining out, and even groceries. At the end of the day, I'm always on the go, and my Chase Sapphire card helps me get the most out of my travels. So if you're like me and you're always traveling, go check out the Chase Sapphire card with Ultimate Rewards and see all the perks you can get. You can learn more at chase.com slash morewithsapphire. All right. Welcome, welcome, Mesh Lakani. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for making the trip out here. And it was down the street, so yeah. I'm not Did too far. Subway, car, bike. Uh, I took a I took a car because I was running a bit late, okay. but I'm gonna probably walk home. Lyft, Uber, um, Lyft. Okay. Yeah, Mesh. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <clears throat> what brings you here? Um, well, my name is Mesh. I prefer Lyft over Uber. <laughs> uh, actually, it depends on who's got the better price. Um, yeah, so I, I've been an investor for the last 12 years, I guess is where I started. Um, spent 12 years doing everything from stocks to credit, investing in venture capital, tech companies, a little bit of crypto, um, had a fund for a little bit there. At one point in that stint, I, um, I left my fun job to pursue a song and song, uh, sorry, to pursue a career in songwriting. I really wanted to be in publishing. Um, and then about three years ago, I decided to leave the investment world, or at least formally, uh, to start a media company in the space of, I guess, podcasts and YouTube, focusing on how we can bring you know everything from smart conversations and making things around money and finance more fun, entertaining, and uh, uh, appealing to a mainstream audience. Awesome. And we've got a uh, a bunch of questions coming in here from people that I've crowdsourced from Instagram. And this first question is from none other than the Sizzle Reel gang. What's a scam we've come to accept as a society? For example, <coughs> college, insurance, etc. Is there one thing that we all just buy that's a scam and just continue to? I think it's fees and any type of like fees that you don't really have control of. Like Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster, banks do it. I mean, fucking IRS does it. Uh, except the IRS, ATMs. you can't, ATMs, all of that. It's just fees on fees where you have no control, um, which is honestly why a lot of, you see a lot of companies starting, 
especially in like fintech and banking that are like, hey, we're like, you know, we're not going to put fees on you. We're not going to add all these extra costs on you. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those things where we accept. I think a lot of times we accept because we can't actually do anything. Yeah, about there's it. nothing new about it. like um, Airbnb, yeah, Lyft and Uber. Like, yeah. what are all these extra fees? Yeah, I mean, they, I, like, I feel hoodwinked when they say this is how much it charge, especially with Airbnbs lately. I've been going back to hotels because. You know, you look up Airbnbs and it's just X, it's X amount and it's like, okay, that's reasonable. And then when you go to actually book it and put it on your card, it's almost double because of all these other fees that they didn't uh, specify. I've been hearing, I've been seeing that a lot about Airbnb, mm-hmm. um, especially like, you know, the ad, I, again, if you, if you're transparent, we know what the costs are. We get it. Like things need to be paid for cleaning bills, all yeah. that. I think it's when you feel, oh, this, it's like when you go on and buy a flight and you see the price, and then you see the flight price after tax mm-hmm. and fees, yep. and you're like, "Oh man, this Bag is just fee, yeah, like... ba- all that, right?" Um, so I think you know it's 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 one of those things where I don't necessarily think it's it's a scam if it's presented in a way where you're like, "Oh, I feel like they got snuck in there," um, but I think especially when you can't control it or you can't like, you know, question it. Um, again, I see that you see it happen with like taxes on a regular basis. Like if you're late, they're going to fuck you. Can we cuss on this? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, and you can't really do anything about it. What are you going to do? Yeah. You can't like tell the IRS like, well, I was late because of X, Y, Z. Like they don't care. Right. Um, so I think it's one of those things that <laughs> we have. have no this. emotions. They're yeah. just the IRS. Yeah. They're just a robot. Yeah. And like going to, to student loans too. Like there's all sorts of stuff that's thrown into the mix. Um, so if you were to pick one fee specifically, that's the biggest scam out of all these fees. What comes to mind? Because <laughs> there's a lot of fees out there from a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I think I would I would go with the general fee of anything in the like banking finance space. So it could be a loan, it could be an overdraft fee or a banking fee. Banks do fucking maintenance fees now. If you go below a certain amount, they're going to charge you a maintenance fee, and then they just keep charging it to you. And so, just generally, I would say. In the finance space, I think obviously banks are always going to get that where I've just been generally annoyed by it. But I think also, yeah, I, I think le- loans and stuff like that, um, unless you have to really, really look down into it before you understand what you're paying off and what are fees. And yeah. they're trying to keep you from paying it off. And that is frustrating because like they're really, is there anything anyone can do about it or is it just... <laughs> Well, at the end of the day, it's probably in the fine print and you just didn't read it. Yeah. Right. Who reads the fine print? Yeah. I mean, so it's one of the, it's again, it's not like uh, it sucks, but, at, you know, the only way to deal with it is don't take on, don't either don't take on so much debt when unfortunately a lot of people have no choice. And then when it comes to banking, there is a lot of choice now. You don't have to stay somewhere where, you know, there's plenty of places now that no, they don't charge wire fees. They don't charge ATM fees, withdrawal fees. There's so much competition now. So at least that's a good thing. Totally. Next question from at Kylea Rosen. What's the worst financial decision Mesh has made? <laughs> <laughs> the oh, hard hitting question is coming first. Um, and what's the best? What's the best one as well? I want to ask if you want to answer one first or the other. Also, do you regret this bad financial decision that you've made? It's a good it's a very good question. I'm let me just I'm just trying to think. Um uh you know, for me I think the the worst financial decisions I've made have been bad investments. But 
I would say that it's made me a better investor. So it's one of those things where like I have made mistakes in the past. I've invested in some like really, really dumb shit. Yeah. Like, um, can you mention in one of them? <laughs> yeah. I mean like, well, some are dumb. Some are just like, we're just, it was just a dumb investment. Like yeah. I, I once did a, uh, there was like a, you know, there's a music festival and it was very niche. Um, they had pre-sold tickets and I did a loan, to the company because I didn't want to invest equity into it. I just was like learning a little bit about credit and how to do like credit investments, which are essentially just lending money to people um, or lending money to businesses. And it was just like that money just disappeared (laughs) overnight. And it was funny because I went, I went to the festival and it was on governor's Island and I just looked around and I was like, fuck, I'm not getting my money back. And there was like no recourse or anything. We got into a huge, uh, thing with the um with the founders just because I felt like it was just very it was marketed wrong and then also like I didn't really do I didn't really do my diligence a little bit was like I wanted to learn from it and I did learn from it very very um very quickly and it, it makes me understand why there's so many rules around loans and why there's so much covenants and why they're so strict about it because you know you blow if you blow up like i.e. you don't get your money back imagine if you have now you know tens of thousands of those loans out there and nobody pays you that's how everything gets blown up and that's what happened in the housing crisis so it makes you understand why people are so strict around certain things that said um the other one was i made an investment in a it wasn't a bad investment i mean they were they were good they were they were good folks it was me um I have this like weird thing with that weird thing. I think a lot of people have this. I'm super OCD about bathrooms and specifically public bathrooms. Mm-hmm. I don't really like to use them. I've gotten better as I've gotten older. You are know you, your are spots. You, are you a bidet guy? I, if there's a bidet, I'd be happy to use a bidet. Me too. But uh, <laughs> And if there's like one of those totos, great. Yeah. Amazing. But you don't see those unless you're like overseas. In public bathrooms, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. not happening. Not I, I actually don't least. even know if I want that in a public bathroom. <laughs> I just want it in my own bathroom. In Japan, but, they have them in most public yeah, bathrooms. Yeah. But, you know, again, it was, uh, it was kind of a, it was like a network. It was like they were... I don't want to say they weren't like an Airbnb for bathrooms, but it was like they were working on clusters of bathrooms in the city in different coffee shops that they would manage. Um, and they were really nice bathrooms and you could open the app and like go use these bathrooms. Hmm. Um, and it was funny cause I was like in my head, I was like, Oh, this is wacky. So like if you're in the city and got to go, you have access to any of these bathrooms that you could just yeah. without purchasing something. But technically, yeah, technically it's without purchasing, but like nobody really cared. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could just walk in anyways and, yeah. and, and do it. And so it, it failed very quickly. Mm. Um, but it was one of those things where I've been made fun of that for that investment <laughs> for a long time. Like I said, in theory, interesting. And then a, a, a right. friend of mine um, told me, you know, never, inv- <laughs> never invest in your fetish slash like obsessions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've learned, I learned that one quickly. It's where like, it's like, just cause something's wacky doesn't mean it's actually going to be something big. Right. So, yeah, those two. <laughs> cool. Um, question from Jessica underscore Hall 3. What are some of the easiest ways to make money while studying full-time? <clears throat> or just having a full-time job, just being a busy person 
while also trying to make some money on the side, I guess. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's it's one of those answers that nobody wants to hear. Like, there's no yeah. real easy way to make money. Um, I think, obviously, if you're studying full-time and you don't have time to have a job, then uh, you're not making an income. So it's kind of impossible. If you do have some time to take a you know part-time job or do some of these online things where you can do something online, um, you know, for example, like, you could transcribe, like, podcasts you'd be transcribing podcasts and make like a few bucks um here and there something that you can do from your seat while you're where you're studying pick up a job like that do it i would say that any you know there's no way of making money unless you're going to do a job of some sort and if you even have money there's no easy way to make money from that money you could invest that money but you would have to think long term about that and um i would say that everyone should be thinking about how they can take a few bucks uh, out of their pocket if they can, if they're not obviously paying off their loans and paying their rent and they have some money left over and investing is like as young as possible and just leaving that money there. Yeah. I'd also say for anyone who's looking to make some money while studying is like, what are the, what's your interest? Like if it is something in the podcast realm or photography or whatever it is, there's some sort of part-time thing you could do. Like whether it's, yeah, transcribing a podcast or I would just do something, you know, zoom in a little bit and do it in whatever field you're somewhat interested in. There's probably a part-time job situation within that instead of just some random part-time thing. Yeah. I mean, this person's in college, I'm assuming. Uh, I I do not know, but uh, yeah, it's her, her, her (laughs) at is Jessica (laughs) underscore hall three. So yeah, I mean, again, it's like odd jobs you know odd jobs that you can do online that you don't have to commute for yeah. i think would be the best thing mm. like things yeah, that you can do from t- your yeah. yeah time is money and like yeah. if you're commuting 45 minutes both ways that's now yes yeah, right something there. you can do if you're in desk things yeah. like on check out things like fiverr and these things right. that they have these odd jobs out there i think that's the best way to do things i mean i posted up uh, i posted something today that was like hey who can transcribe this this interview in the next few hours and yeah. we had like five responses. Nice. Um, and you know, people asked for different prices and we just, we got someone to do it and yeah. it was easy for them. Cool. Next question from at DJ St. Thomas. The stock market is a casino question mark. Is, would you agree with that statement? I think the, the stock market can be a casino if you treat it like a casino and meaning that just like with everything, you know, I would say if you're in a casino is like gambling generally is what you would consider in you go into a casino, you gamble, which means you have money. You don't know if you're going to make any. You're pr- you're pretty much going to lose everything. And I, I think some people would argue that games like blackjack or, or poker, there is skill to it, especially poker. But I think the stock market is a casino only if you treat it like a casino. So if you're looking at things like, how do I get rich quick? I'm on Wall Street bets. I'm looking at the next GameStop. I'm looking at the next you know, whatever it might be, and I want to trade in and out of these things. Yeah. Yes, that's very much like a casino um, because you're going in there and there's some type of thrill that you're trying to get out of it. Like vers- there's a psychological thrill, an emotional thrill, slash also gut punch if you lose money and then you want more and that would be a casino. But then there's very a practical way, a practical approach is this is how much money I have. This is how much money I'm willing to lose and I'm going to invest it and I'm not going to touch it. And I'm going to invest in companies that I really understand and I'm going to invest in companies that will last like the next decade, like your apples of the world and whatnot. 
And your I ba- think your bathroom companies, your, ba- <laughs> your bathroom companies. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that, that I would say is not actually a casino. Yeah. But I think just like everything, it's just how you approach it. So I would assume you treat it in a practical way out of those ways. Yeah. I, I would say the way I, the way I do it is it's pretty practical. Um, I buy stuff. I hold stuff. I don't really sell it. I've learned my lesson there. I mean, the biggest lesson I ever learned when I started was I did all that, you know, like in 2008 is when I started doing all this. And that was the market crash Mm. after the housing market. And things were insane. It was, things were so volatile. You could make, it was kind of similar to what was the difference, what happened then and what happened after COVID was that with COVID, everything went down and then everything went straight up. In 2008, everything went down and up and then down and up and then down and up. And it was like very, wow. very stressful. Yeah. Um, but people were, you know, you I was I would trade. I would do this. I would do that. And some days I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm a genius. I made this much money. And then some days I would feel sick to my stomach. But none of it was actually very rational. Um, none of it was rational. And you learn very quickly that the easiest way was just to like, buy something that was going to last and hold on to it. And I would have made more money that way than trying to like beat the market right. or think that I'm some hotshot trader. Um, yeah. Cause at the end of the day, they don't really exist. And the ones who do exist, they do this like full, full, full time, or they're a fucking computer and they will always have an advantage over you. So yeah, like don't, if you don't treat it like a casino, you can actually do well question from at misadventures of mm more money more problems question mark would you agree with that statement or absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) i think that um you know obviously i think it's it, it it's it's pretty relative i think in the general scheme when people say you know, money doesn't buy happiness. And it, I think everyone depends. It depends on yeah. someone's situation. Money can make you comfortable. It can make your family comfortable. It can provide you freedom. And then again, like not to sound cliche, like you bring on the problems yourself. Like, yes, if you start overspending and then you, you increase your uh, spending habits and so now you're like lifestyle super expensive and you're trying to like meet that with the money that you're trying to get in, Yeah, that's going to cause more problems for sure. And you don't want to be stuck in that. But if you're like, if you have more money and you kind of stay the same and you're able to just live a really nice lifestyle and you don't have to worry about all the shit that you're constantly worried about. Yeah, I think that's actually pretty fantastic. And I I hope that for most people, you know. 100% agree with all that. Yeah, it's really sad when I hear these stories of like professional athletes or, you know. They don't even they were they're making so much money at one point that they don't really keep track of how much money they're making and then they're not handling their finances the best and uh all of a sudden they're broke. It's happened yeah. to multiple athletes. Yeah. Guys. And like just you know, I think in general there's a certain type of person and and I think again, spending beyond your means, uh, I've found myself doing that before and I, we had this discussion today at work, which was what's the difference between rich and wealthy? You know, rich is I've got money. I can show that I've got money. I'm kind of showing that I have money, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm set up for life. While wealthy is, you have the freedom, you have, you know, you have more money than you're spending. It's growing. You have the freedom to invest that money over time. Um, and I think it was, um, I think it was Shaq who said this. Um, I think I know what you're going to say. You know, he said it a couple of days ago. He, I'm I'm rich. You're not rich. Is that the one you're saying? No. He, oh, did you hear that quote? He no, said a I didn't. Days ago? Oh, about his kids. Yeah, about his kids. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, rich. Yeah, you're yeah. not rich. That was actually really great because it was yeah. his kids. He's saying yeah. that he's not leaving his fortune to his kids. 
and they're saying it's our money or something like yeah. that. But no, he said something else like it was either him or it was Kevin Hart. One of them that said something where it's like, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't yeah. know if this was it, but it's like, you know, if you're a player on the team, you're rich. If you own the team, you're wealthy. Mm. Um, or the same yeah. thing is like if you're in a movie with the studio or you run the studio, one's rich, one's wealthy. And I think the difference is wealth is more about ownership and equity and it gives you the freedom to actually make versus you always work for someone. Uh, if you're rich, someone's like paying your bills. Totally. Um, and I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I would say that you always, you want to strive towards building wealth and the wealth doesn't have, it doesn't mean a mansion. It doesn't mean, um, nice cars and stuff. I think it just means like having the freedom to make your own decisions and not have to do something because someone else is telling you to do it or because mm -hmm. you have to do that. Um, and I think that's very, very important. Like the, the idea of like wealth creation, which is why you put your money away, not to save, to invest and grow it over a period of time. Um, and you don't touch it because like, that's what creates wealth. So is, is this idea partially why you wanted to start your own media company is because you wanted to have ownership of something that you believe in instead of uh, putting, you know, making money, putting a lot of your money in, into other companies? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, it partly so I, I don't mind, you know, we, you know, we still invest and I invest, my mom and I invest together and, um, you know, she's the one who gave me the freedom to that's do that. That's a good that. mother and son bonding activity. Yeah. Yeah. My parents, <laughs> when my parents split up, you know, my mom was on her own and she was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I'll, I'll take this over. And I'm like, but we have to think about how do we build something for the future? Um, and that was, I realized that it was investing in companies where we could buy equity in these companies and grow with them. But yes, to your point, the reason why, why I wanted to start something is because I wanted to own something of mine, have a majority ownership of it, build it myself. But also, I never wanted to be in a position where someone could take something from me, whether I was at you know a fund before or I was at another company before, um, where you know that you could either be replaced, you could be thrown out, you could leave for whatever reasons. Um, and I never wanted, I always wanted to feel like, it's my decision if I want to walk away or not, but I want to own everything that I have and I want to make the decisions. And that's a scary move on its own, but it was a move that was very important to me. And to your point, yes, it was about ownership. It was about building wealth and equity. That's awesome. Question from at Eastman CL. Why are taxes so difficult? Dude, uh, I don't even <laughs> they make, have They do answer. that on purpose, right? Like I... I just want to pay my taxes and just have it be simple, but no, it's not. I started my own business recently. Oh, nice. A C-Corp for my photography business. Oh, nice. Congrats. Thank you. And uh, it's still learning how to it's, – it's it's not easy to do. Like when it comes to paying taxes, it's a little stressful. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I you know, I have my personal taxes now, my business taxes, and writing off this, writing off that. I think in general just – Yes, taxes are super complicated. It's we're com it's a compl complicated system, complicated financial system. Everyone's trying to get theirs. It doesn't you know. need to be though, right? They just, do. Th would you say they do that on purpose? I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if there's things that are done on purpose, right? Like there's certain tax codes and stuff, and it's um, some people can benefit from it, some people can't. And I think what it comes down to is like, do you have a good accountant? Do you have a good tax attorney? Do you have a good you know? 
tax people that know their shit. This is where I think you definitely want to hand that off to someone who knows what they're doing. And this is like, again, there's professionals out there that spend their fucking life learning this stuff so that they can benefit you. And this is why you pay them. It's why you pay for good health insurance if you can afford it. It's why you pay for a good tax attorney. It's why you pay for a good lawyer. Um, to, the, go, to go back to our first question, what's the biggest scam? My answer is health insurance. Yeah, It is for fucking sure. bullshit. Um, yeah, I mean... I, <laughs> just because I turned 30 this I just turned 30. Congrats. So, and I have, you know, thank you. I I have like, you know, the lowest health insurance that I pay for since yeah. I'm a freelancer. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I pay for health insurance $185 a month, right? Cuz I get it's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. But now because I turned 30, I still have that same health insurance plan, but it jumps from 185 a month to 700 something. Oh fuck. Starting January. And are Which, you getting something that's like significantly better? No, it's the same plan. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, um, I'm considering not having health insurance. Like just, uh, what is it, what is it called? This, there's a certain type of health insurance I might be able to get that's just for like extreme accidents. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know. I still have to look into my health insurance plans. But well, that's, I, that's I, I, I would, I, I would agree. I would say that. The the system here is pretty fucked when it comes yeah. to health insurance. Like I think we all have an issue with it. It's funny that people even argue why we we shouldn't have free health insurance. And like as someone who's you know pretty capitalist person, I believe in like private markets. Uh, I absolutely believe that there should be free health insurance, and I would pay more in taxes to make sure that we had that if I knew that was going to be the case. And it's just ridiculous because your point, it is a scam. It, there is all sorts of shit that's happening behind the scenes that we do, are not aware of, including the fact that like a lot of these hospitals, they're private companies, you know, and, and there's all sorts of shenanigans happening at the, at the high level. Everyone's got their money. Everybody wants theirs. And the issue is that when you have a system where people are used to getting theirs, to change that is very, very difficult because- those people don't want to lose their money, and that goes from everyone from the pharmaceutical companies, the hospitals, the people working mm-hmm. at the hospitals, and the ones that don't benefit are the ones, obviously, like, not only the patients of the world, but, like, the people who are working in the ERs, and, like, they're working the hard jobs, yeah, and, like, it's... they're not benefiting from this. It's, like, people at the top that are benefiting from it, and just, like, again, anything that, that shakes the order where there's money involved, mm-hmm. that's where you get lobbyists, that's where you get, you know, getting politicians on your side, so, yeah, I would agree with you. I think that health insurance is the biggest scam because it's yeah. completely unnecessary. Also, another big one is private prisons, but let's not even get into that. Uh, let's just move on to the next question before, uh, before this time. podcast gets too heavy. And this next question from Bill Waters underscore, what's the future of high? What is the future of higher education? That's a very good question. I I don't I've, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, I go back and forth because. You know, I do think to an extent, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I think there's a lot of great things about higher education. I think there's a lot of great things about having a, a community experience and going to school somewhere and learning and those degrees and whatnot. Do I think it's somewhat scammy? I think a lot of them are. Um, I would say that where we are with, with, with higher education is that we've got a, a, a an issue that, there is a big overhead for a lot of these schools and they charge the students and the government makes it easy to take out these loans mm-hmm. that people can't afford. Yeah. And we are, we live in a culture where it makes 
perfect sense for someone to take a fucking $100,000 loan out when they're 18 years old, but like they have issues either with everything else after that. Like it's, it's like whether they want to buy a house or take a mortgage out or this and that, because the banks, which are private are like, listen, dude, we're not lending you money. Cause like you're way too risky, but the government says, Hey, no, it's okay. We're subsidizing their student loans because this all started back in the cold war when there was like a race for like higher education and getting certain degrees. And that just kind of got grandfathered in. Right. And so now you have these universities that it goes back to the same thing. Like when you get paid, you don't want to change certain things. And and obviously like, I think a lot of universities will fail in, 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 in these next few years because they just can't afford to stay open. And yeah, they already started. They're already they're starting. starting yeah. Fail. And yeah. obviously we'll always see that the top tier will be there. Right. And if you yeah. get into the top tier, definitely you're getting more than just education, you're getting a network or getting all right. that stuff. But, you know, I think the future has to be like, I think we're going to start seeing, and we're seeing these like higher education companies come out, whether they're vocational or they're doing, you know, you, you see the stuff like all these, everyone's got a course these days. Um, now higher education, like obviously there's certain degree, like I think if it comes down to your job and you yeah. need a certain degree, like this is where I want to see things change where like you shouldn't have to go to like a amazing school and do computer science when you could like get certified on YouTube on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Right. And like get a job that way. And I think really, really amazing companies don't are going to slowly stop recognizing the benefit of having a certain degree, mm-hmm. right? Like what's a bachelor degree? See, like, what is it? That yeah, even I mean, I, I've never had to use my degree ever to get a job, but I'm also in the creative field. Sure. It's a little yeah. different for me, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously like if you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a nurse, you want to be a psychologist, psychiatrist, you want all those things, right. like certain, certain specialties. Yeah. Absolutely. Be. I think that makes sense. You just have to make a good decision on whether it's like, you know, is this the right thing for you to do? Can you pay this off? And also, I th- what if you don't want to do that anymore? You know, yeah, you're deciding at a young age. Well, I think this is why you have to make, you have to get better at making financial decisions. And they should start that at, with kids in when they're 18. They should say, or hey, earlier, maybe. Even earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, uh, Jane, you got into Michigan State and you got into U of Mish. One's more expensive, but they're technically going to give you the same thing. Go to the le- less expensive one because at the day, the, at the end of the day, the reason why you're going to college or under undergrad is really to figure out what you want to do with your life and like live amongst people who are like young and whatnot and stuff. And so, like, I think higher education is like two things: it's college and then like actual grad school and like what you get there. And I think those are really important. But I think the most important thing is that people just need to make better financial decisions um, and and understand. Where can they get loans that are going to benefit them? Where can the government subsidize things for them? Where can they make a better financial decision? Like I was learning recently from a friend of mine that that runs like a platform in the student loan space. And she's saying like the taking advantage of community college. It's just like people see community college is like, oh, I failed. I didn't make it. But it's actually the smartest financial decision you can make. Yeah. And then you transfer in. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, maybe someone's like, oh, I went to community college. And they're like, oh, I went to community college. You know, feel, don't feel bad about that. You're a fucking genius in comparison to your peers. You know, yeah. like make sure that, you know, because you don't want to be in debt. You're going to be what, set up What do you think about our culture of the flex and just flexing online and like 
do you ever see this and you're just like, that's a terrible financial decision? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, it's hard. You know, one doesn't want to judge, right, and, right, and you right, never right. know why someone does something. You never right. know what they grew up with or what they didn't yeah. grow up with. What I mean, flexing is. I mean, it's always been there, you know, like it's always been there. And we still even whether it's like our, we all do it one way or another with our we do it with our clothes. Mm -hmm. We do it with, you know, with whatever, especially now when you have to have some type of online presence. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's dumb financial decisions for sure. Like it is dumb. There are dumb decisions. And then there's just like, hey, look, whatever, whatever gets you, whatever gets you going, whatever floats your boat, (laughs) you know, Um, obviously, I think like. If your first thing that you want to do is buy jewelry and buy a nice car, um, and but you know that you're getting more money in your future, fine, right? But like, I uh, yeah, it's I wish what people would do first would be like, let me pay off all my debt, let me put some money away, let me invest some money, maybe buy a house, and then let me go buy the fucking car. Because at least if you yeah. lose everything, you can have a fucking garage to park your car in. You know, right? Or and you have some money left aside, or you could sell the car and reinvest it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah man, the flexing thing's funny. I mean, look <laughs> at the flexing thing now. Everyone's flexing with their NFTs. Yeah, you know, if well, you have... we have some NFT questions. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's, that's a big the because it's, it's it is because it, and it's also public knowledge. So yeah, how, how, how much, much it's money, worth? How much it's worth? How much money people have? Yeah, and it's really interesting. Uh, question from Paola. G. De La Maria, if I've never invested but ready to, where should I start? Yeah. So well, from someone, I'm assuming she has some extra money and she wants to be smart about it and invest it in something. Where should she start if she's never invested before? Yeah, I mean, I think for the record, this is not, not investment advice. advice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if I was just starting out and I had some money to invest, I think – the the easiest way you can do this is simply put money into like an index fund, which is essentially just a fund that tracks the market. Low fees, you don't have to do anything, you throw it in there, you don't have to look at it. That's a great way to start because it gets your feet wet. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in today's world now where we're at, you could do that. And then if you have a little money left over, let's say like one to 5% of that, I don't know, maybe buy some Bitcoin. Buy some Ethereum. Like, just because if this is the future of where we're going, the future of technology and the future of the internet, if you had like five bucks, could you afford to lose five bucks that could potentially become like 50 bucks? Yeah, why not? And don't touch it. Just buy it and don't touch it. And the same thing with the index funds. Like, buy some, don't touch it, and just leave it. I think that's really good advice to just, yeah, when you're ready to invest, buy it and just don't touch it. Don't think about it. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Long, yeah. Long-term investing is where it's And at. I think the good thing about an index fund is that you don't have to like spend all day thinking what stock you're going to buy. Yeah. You know, and you don't don't get caught up in the you know what's happening like what CNBC does or what's happening on on Reddit or what's happening on Robinhood. Like a lot of that is just meant to push you to buy and sell. And at the end of the day, if you have an index fund, it tracks the market, you'll be fine. If you really like if you use an iPhone every day, and you think that you're going to use an iPhone for the next like five, six years, maybe ten years? Okay, maybe buy some Apple. Buy companies that you like really, really understand that you think are going to last for a really long time, and then don't touch it. But don't get like, 
ooh, I heard about this pharmaceutical right. company that's going to do this. My friend, All don't even lines. touch that shit. Yeah, that's good advice. Well, not technically advice, but yeah, it's <laughs> what I would do. Yeah. Question from at Jasper va five. Advice for people wanting to save starting at a young age, or yeah, I guess that's a similar question. So, yeah, look, I, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna have money to save, unless you're saving money to buy something, just invest it. I, I think I, I think the friends that I've always been like, wow, were friends whose parents like took whatever their grandparents gave them or whatever, and they just started like investing their money when they were in middle school. Mm-hmm. And those kids are now sitting on a nice little treasure chest that they can use towards whatever, right? And I think that's something I wish, even if I went back five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I'm 37 now. If I started doing, like, granted, when we were 18, we didn't didn't have the options that people have now. It's so, you can literally just open your phone and do this, right? And you can, you could, you could automatically put on your phone, invest $5 a month, and it just automatically takes it out or weekly. Such a cool feature. Yeah. Just don't like, even think about yeah, it. Yeah. Don't even think about it. And like, I, cause like, I, I do think there's this thing about saving. Like, again, if you're saving to buy a house, if you're saving to pay off loans, fine. Save that. That's different than if you just have extra money and you're saving it because you think, you know, as they say, they sell these saving accounts and like you think in 20 years you're saving. No, cause like you're going to be losing money. Yeah. Because you're not getting anything, getting no interest in that bank account. It's it's because of inflation, you're actually losing money. And so you might as well just start investing. Because by, by the way, like a few years are going to go by and you're like, oh my God, like that was nothing. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh my God, five years, 10 years, it's such a long time. It honestly, before you know it, it'll be there. Yeah. And I think that's such a, if you plan ahead, that's a good question. Yeah. So yeah, if you are saving money, why save it? Invest it. Invest it. I agree question from eli london 100 are there ways to invest in a company before they go public if you don't have a ton of money this is the this is this is the infor- you know this is what we're there's a lot of this being discussed right now that like the government has these weird protections for people in certain areas but not in others like so for example if someone wanted to invest in a startup pre-ipo the chances of getting access to that one is pretty low, meaning that you have to be in a certain circle, you have to have a certain minimum, um, and you have to be able to get access to it. But then even if you did have access to it, you have to be an accredited investor, which means that you have to make 200K a year for the last two years, or you have to have a net worth of a million, which is just bullshit, um, because they're trying to protect you. But yet they don't protect you from gambling. They don't protect you from casinos. They don't protect you from sports betting. They don't protect you from horse races. They don't protect you from, you know, the list goes on of things that they don't protect you from. So I would say that, unfortunately, no. But that said, I think this is where it becomes interesting now. I would say that if you're thinking about buying a company pre-IPO that you can't get access to, Maybe do some research on what's happening with this whole crypto Web3 stuff, because technically, technically, these are companies, they're companies that instead of going public, they're just, you know, they do a token sale or they're you're able to buy it, whether you're buying a coin or you're buying a token, you can actually buy into it and there's no, you can buy as much as you want. Now I'm saying, obviously, there's really a lot of risk there as well. The same amount of risk that there would be in a startup knowing that like one out of a hundred startups fail, sorry, 
99 out of 100 startups fail. Is that true? It's like that's wow. kind of the the rule that we use, right? So like if 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 you invest in 10 companies, nine are going to fail, one's going to make you all the money back plus some. And it's called um it's it's the um power law distribution. And that basically this is why people venture capitalists and VCs So 9 out of 10, not 99 out of 100, right? It, I mean, right. I guess the same. Yeah. Um, similar, uh, chances so, are low. Yeah. yeah. So chances are around like, let's say it's nine, 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 90% of companies are going to okay. fail. And then that 10% is going to make you money. So let's just say if, if you invest in 10 companies, one potentially is going to make it. The other nine are going to fail. If you're investing in things like startups that early. And so any risky, uh, investment, what you, what you need is you need that one to make you some money and more. Yeah. And so that's what VCs do. So they mm -hmm. invest in a bunch of startups. Some will go public, but a bunch will fail. But the ones that go public will make them all the money of the ones that they lost and then some. And the same game is, is, is true with crypto. Like it is a very risky game and there might be some outliers there, but you have to treat it like, and they say like, you know, the general rule, depending on where you are, it's like, how much money are you willing to lose on these things? So speaking of a crypto, at Nick Shatuk asked, what are your thoughts on NFTs and will traditional financial institutions embrace them? Um, Ever. <laughs> my thought on NFTs are, I just think they're just very, very interesting. I wasn't, I, I rolled my eyes at first. I thought yeah. I was like, I didn't, I didn't get what, it. What was that first, like earlier this year? Mm, like, yeah, maybe like last year, like when you saw all these like crypto punks and stuff mm -hmm. popping up, I was kind of like, I, I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah. And um, it's when you start like talking, because like I think part of it is that the, the, the narrative gets stolen by a lot of the media and like the hype and the flexes where like now it's all about people getting really, really rich and like, you know, you're flexing on your, your bored ape or your, right. you know, your crypto punk or whatever it might be. But I think what becomes interesting is the actual, um, the utility of this and like how, what this could potentially provide us with. And I think it has the potential not only to provide artists and creators with like interesting avenues for them to monetize and make money forever. Mm -hmm. Um, but also for like, you know, customers, users, fans to get a piece of ownership and have a direct relationship. That's one thing. But then there's like interesting utilities. Like, uh, a friend of mine was explaining the ability to do like titles like the title on a home and like transferring that to somebody, you know, and like make, making those things. It's just a really simple process. As, without an, as an NFT? Yeah, as an NFT or using the technology, like the, the innovative technology behind all that, okay. right? Yeah. Like um, it becomes interesting like these, because essentially they're, they're the, they're, it's like one of one, right? And, and it um, can be. Yeah, it can be. And, that that's where I think it becomes very, very interesting. And I think also just generally, like, I, I mean, I've been thinking about how do we do NFTs in media and how do we do it for education? And I think once you get past the eye, like, I think right now, you know, you talk to somebody like, oh, NFTs, I'm so tired of hearing about this shit. Yeah, because I think we're hearing the same things over and over again. Like this sold for this, Christie sold this right, for this, right, that. Right. But I think once that storm kind of calms down mm -hmm. and we start seeing that there is a lot of innovation to be had here and that there's a lot of benefits, um, I think the whole point is that it should scare every institution. Yeah. Um, it should be like, okay, we need to either embrace this and figure out how to be a part of this um, 
You know, because I think, again, everybody's going to want theirs. And this is what gets scary with like, especially financial institutions. Like Financial institutions are like very nervous about what's happening in crypto and yeah. Web3 and DeFi and all these things. I'm I'm very bullish on the future of NFTs and where it's going to take us and how many different avenues the NFTs can take. Like it's not just, you know, crypto punks and like the profile it, picture. It's so much. It, I mean, and I know you know that, but. No, no, no. Um, I think, but I think it's a good point that you're yeah, making because it, I think you're right because we haven't even seen what's capable. Yeah. We, there's right? so much more to go with yeah. it and the utility behind it and the community that it brings within. Well, yeah. I think that's the other thing. I think the community part is mm -hmm. is where I think I didn't understand enough is that like how powerful is a community? Um, and yeah. now, I mean, it's currently NYC NFT. Yeah, like, yeah, it people is. that traveled from around the world in I New know. York are now meeting in person for the first time, which is really exciting to watch from the sidelines. I I, I want to. I'm going to go to a couple events this week. Oh, but, nice. Uh, yeah, nice. I know tonight, I, I mean, I just read this online, but tonight is like the Cool Cats party, as in anyone who owns a Cool Cat. Which That's is one so of, funny. I, I'm, you're familiar with Cool Cats? That, I, I don't it's know like cool board Cats. Ape, it's like the Bored Apes or CryptoPunks. It's like the next one that uh, has the the highest uh, floor. It's interesting you say <laughs> that because I was reading, um, there's a blog post, Fred Wilson, who's a venture capitalist, um, Uniscore Ventures, and he wrote... I'm not really excited about like the metaverse, you know, I'm paraphrasing what he wrote, but he's like, I get it, but I don't want to be so much wrapped up in a digital world. I miss the physical world. And then um, he was walking around in Soho and there's like an NFT gallery in Soho. And he said that he saw a line of, and his, and his colleagues were trying to convince him like, no, 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 it's, it's actually going to be very beneficial. And he saw a line of people lined out that were collectors of whatever NFT was being, they this were going week? for it. It was, it was like earlier this week or maybe last week. Yeah. And it was all these like members of this community that all own the same whatever NFT it right. was, and they were all meeting for the first time. And it was like exciting for them, you know. And and I think like there is something to that. It's it's kind of like yeah, you know, we've been meeting online for fucking decades at this yeah. point, you know. Like it's it's I think we just have to get used to that things are changing so fast. Things are changing. It's faster just really than quick. It's, I mean, uh, this shit. I think in the last like month, I've been overwhelmed with how quickly things have been moving. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting time, but also overwhelming. And <laughs> yeah, I think I think the the lesson out of it though is, the more you push back on it, the more upset you're going to be as it becomes yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, so just be open minded. That's the thing. You don't have to necessarily exactly. Just be, it's it's with anything in em life. Embrace I mean, it. Be open minded. This is obviously a powerful thing. If people are waiting in lines outside and everyone's talking about it and. Yeah, maybe it's a bubble that'll burst, but I don't know if it will. I think it's just gonna grow. Yeah, I think I think the important thing is like don't have FOMO. Don't think yeah. that you have to have one or buy one or be a part of one. I think you just want to learn what's happening. Yeah, because again, remember these people that are it. buying it, yeah. right? Like they're been they've been in these communities for a while, and they're they're in the Discord channels and they're doing the work. I have a very good friend who's an NFT collector, and this guy's working like all day, mm -hmm. all night. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I know of people like that too. And, you know, I, I don't know how people can do that because don't you, don't these people have a whole nother life? Yeah. How can you commit that much time? I know? think it's because now it's their life. Their, some people are <laughs> yeah. dedicating life to it, which yeah. is, which yeah. is cool. I mean, for them, if they're happy, but. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I think they are happy because I yeah. think they've actually found like, oh, I belong to something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, to. To wrap that up, it's it's an interesting time for NFTs. We're both on the same page. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's you pay attention to it. Yeah. Take your time with it. You know, there's a lot to learn. Um, I think it's exciting in general. Yeah.
I think it's cool how you're into traditional investing, but also open to um, crypto investing too. Well, um, I'll tell you the reason why. Yeah. I don't want to be left behind. Yeah. So again, when it comes to investing, it's why we started investing in, in venture capital and early stage equity like eight years ago mm-hmm. is because that's where the future was you going. You don't want FOMO. Yeah. And like you want to be a part and you want to learn where you can be like, I want to be a part of this because a lot of companies are going public later now. So we yeah. want to start getting involved in companies early. And now with what's happening with Web3 and crypto is that I do not want to be, la- I don't want to be sitting there like laughing at this thing and then missing out on again, the next potential right. like wealth boom. Do you have, you have people in your community of investing that are just like very much pushing against this and don't believe in it at all? And um, Or are, not are people in, generally you know, open to getting in this world too? I think the world that I'm in is, is pre- we're all pretty open because we're all like someone in tech. But I think there's definitely like people that are, that I, that I'm generally friends with across the board that are like eye roll. They don't get it. They're still sitting there being like, I don't understand it. Like this is stupid. But I'm like, it's not actually stupid. I think you're just, I think you don't, one, you don't get it, but two, have you taken the time to get it? Yeah. And I think, I think that's the important part. I think also the issue is that there's, there's a messaging and communication problem here. Mm-hmm. Like the whole screenshot, I could just screenshot that JPEG. And yeah. Like, and I, and I think it's like, it's not necessarily people's fault that they don't understand it because the, the, the group is excited about it. You know, a lot of these people are like, they're technologists, they're, they're, engineers there it would be the equivalent of like a scientist giving you a presentation on something exciting and you're just sitting there bored because you don't understand what the fuck they're saying half the time you know and i I think one and that's one of the things that we're very excited to tackle is like how do you bring this mainstream like how do you tell this in a way that people can actually understand yeah and i think that's challenging because there's all this new tech terminology that we have to figure out how to like say in just general terms. Um, but I think like with anything, eventually we'll understand. I, and I think the great, you know, people, um, there's a lot of great folks out there that are just describing like, you know, when the internet started back in the day, like it was just as confusing, you know, like, and when websites were coming up and we talked in the code and all these things, like how to hack these things up together, mm-hmm. it was very confusing. It became easier over time. And this is web 3.0. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> and we're in the early days still. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the, the last couple of questions. This one is coming in from at Eva Grazel. What is a challenge you overcame and the knowledge of wisdom you learned from it? it depends <laughs> on how... how um, it could it could, uh, could be a life thing in general or it could be relating to money. Yeah, I would say... Um, I, would, I mean, if, yeah, no, I would say like it's a life thing. I, I would say um, recognizing like when you have an ego uh was would be my biggest like life um but don't we all have egos <laughs> that's what i'm saying but recognizing when it dis- it puts you in a disadvantage and i think that could be anything from like you get angry mm-hmm. you get you can't take criticism you know you can't take this you can't take that and recognizing when it is your ego and knowing that like okay this is actually putting me at a disadvantage right now um that took me a really long time to figure out so was there a certain moment that I think there there was a moment definitely when it was like upsetting people around me um, and you realize it's not them. You're kind of doing something mm-hmm. and then you have to like, okay, like maybe I should see a therapist. Right. Uh, so is that a moment of looking inwardly or you did see a therapist? No. Yeah. So it was a moment of looking inwardly and it was, and it was a moment of then seeing a therapist the help, yeah. and like, you know, 
constantly it's not like an ongoing thing right. like breaking it down breaking it down trying to figure out where it comes from recognizing when you're making progress and appreciating when you make progress like giving yourself a pat on the back when you do make progress yeah. and knowing that you feel good when you're making progress um but knowing that it's a long long journey it's also it's also okay to have setbacks um i and i think yeah one of those important things is like recognizing again i for me it was recognizing when my ego takes um you know, takes me down a road that I don't want to go down, but also when it upsets other people and knowing when to immediately know when that happens and apologizing for it and like not being so stubborn and, and pride um, and just like being done with it and, you know, recognizing those moments and knowing that it's, it's easier for you to say sorry and, and just be okay and um, confront somebody about something versus just letting it linger because oh, you're too, yeah. pro- you know what I mean? Like that shit just is super toxic. Absolutely. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's easier. Some would say to let it linger because you don't have to, you know, address it. But the the best thing to do for all parties is to address the situation. Yeah. Say th- sorry. Yeah. Talk about. Well, it's it. also yeah, and sometimes it's like it's easier to get angry versus yeah. to sit and think about why are you getting upset? Yeah. Or why are you taking this criticism mm-hmm. badly? Because you actually have to think about it versus just like erupting, um, or saying something or whatever. And I think taking that time. And and trying to like feel it out, um, so yeah, that was I think one of the biggest life's lessons I've had. Yeah, I like that question. Another question from at Kylie Rosen: Would Mesh ever go on Shark Tank? Is it worth it? No, it's not worth it. I I wouldn't go. I don't have anything that I'm trying to sell to an audience, and I don't want to sit. You know, I think if you have a product and you can get on TV, absolutely you should do it. Um, you're not like that type of publicity is pretty incredible. Mm. Um, and I think they know it. Like I would go, I would, that, that's the only reason why I would do it. Yeah. Um, you get exposed to people, you get exposed to entire world or at least, you know, the U S and if it's syndicated elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I, I would do shark tank if you can get on shark tank, but take it exactly for what it is. Right. It's a little bit of a, what's the word? Um, scammy. I wouldn't say it's not scammy. It's like it's like a um, it's like a clown show, you know. It's like um, these are famous people, and like they're they have their you can see their egos on on stage. Like it's all a performance, you know. what I mean, like half the time we don't even know what's happening up there, and if these deals are really real, I don't even know what the actual. Re- From what I understand, the returns on on Shark Tank deals aren't even that great. Like there's some outliers here and there, but I think the reason you do it is for publicity. Right. And if you can do that, fantastic. Because I think there's a lot of amazing stories. Like America loves a good story. Yeah. America loves a good like rags to riches. Um, that show's been that. that show's been running for a while now. I think. Look, so, and I uh, watch the show. I yeah. love watching the show. I also think there's like a lot of good lessons in the show. Mm. Like when I say clown show, I think because sometimes like they just the the, sh- the sharks can be a bit annoying, and you're kind of like, man, what's it? What? These people are literally such assholes. Sometimes yeah, they're sometimes mean. To them. Uh, they're just super yeah. nasty. Um, but I think also like you do learn a lot. You learn a lot about equity, and you learn a lot about. Um, like even when, you know, Mr. Wonderful does his like royalty stuff and loans and stuff, it's, it's actually quite interesting. And I think you watch it for those reasons and pick up on those things. And I think for that reason, it's a good show. I wish there was more stuff like that. Um, you know, I know people have tried it, but like they they keep trying the same thing. It's like pitching people for money and I'm kind of over that. Hey, well you have your media company now. Maybe (laughs) you could work on some little YouTube series or something. We're, we're trying to, you know, it's funny. We're trying to do more like 
storytelling, story-driven stuff, Yeah, which I'm excited about because I think that Stories are king. People love stories. People yeah. love a good story. And that's how you can potentially subtly, you know, drop certain knowledge bits or teachings in there by telling a good story with someone that someone can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, I will see how it turns out. But um, yeah. yeah, we're working on some stuff. So I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, uh, that about wraps up the question. So, Mesh, thanks so much. Is there uh, anything you want to plug or what are you working on? Um, what do I want to plug? Well, we know we have a, we have a podcast, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, the Talk Money Podcast. Yeah, the Talk Money Podcast. Uh, a few different formats. We do like a weekly thing where I'll just do a, a rant about something. We have a new narrative series coming out, um, called Founder Stories. And then we got, we, we're working on a Web3 and crypto narrative series that'll come out next year, which will be our like, you know, your zero to a hundred, everything you need to know told in a way that I think you'll find entertaining, um, where you'd have to listen to episode one all the way to the end. And I think you'd be pretty good. So cool. it's ambitious, but we'll see if we can get it. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for coming on the pod and great meeting you. I love, yeah, meeting, I love meeting people <laughs> through a podcast. Yeah, man. So. Thanks for, I appreciate you having me on. This was, yeah. this was nice. Cool. Cool. And thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Shishkin Productions podcast.